In a 2021 opinion article from USA Today, the problems of the Western churches were discussed with a specific emphasis on the U.S. One of these problems was the lack of dedication to the faith amongst the younger generation. In 2020, Barner Research found that the share of practicing Christians in the United States has dropped nearly 50% since 2000, and the decline is estimated to continue. There are several reasons as to why young people are not keeping the faith. But one reoccurring issue cited by said young people is a lack of church, lack of love found in the church. How could this be? Shouldn't the church be loving by default? Is the church failing to show love or have people set unrealistic expectations? Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another exciting episode of the Paradigm Switch podcast with our hosts, Avon and Alex. We seek to encourage our heavenly family in Christ to renew their minds and to think right side up. The key to victory is knowledge, and it is our hope that through sharing our personal testimonies, struggles, and triumphs, it will help you continue your walk with Christ. The Bible says we are new creatures in Christ, but in order for us to emerge anew, we first have to think anew. Enjoy the episode. Well, hello, Paradigmers. You are listening to The Paradigm Switch. We are the number one Christian podcast on earth with heaven's favorite podcasters. I'm one of the co-hosts, Avon. I'm here with my co-host, Alex. Hello, everybody. And, you know, I'm going to give some behind-the-scenes, like, news or update what was happening. You know, I had to do that opening about a good five times because, one, Alex was laughing at me. And I don't know why <laughs> I don't know why doing scripted intros mess me up. I think that's what it is. When it's scripted, it messes me up. The ones where I've had to do it on the fly, no problem. But when it's scripted, it, it, I don't know what the problem is. Good Lord. Like, I, <laughs> I had to do that about a good five times before we got an acceptable intro. I couldn't tell you. I, I think doing it on the fly is harder than just reading from the pre-planned script. You know, I remember when I was in public speaking class in college, the times I've had to do a speech like that had a lot of notes and things because the teacher would want to see like the outline and things on the card and all that kind of stuff. Those were probably the hardest speaking or the public speaking presentations I had to give, but the ones that were kind of like spur of the moment, like defend an argument kind of thing. Oh, no problem whatsoever. I don't know. I don't, I'm just weird like that where I can do spur of the moment, but when I have to have things a little bit too organized, it messes me up. Maybe because I know the notes are there and I want to hit my points. And so my mind gets a little flustered. Could be maybe trying to do too much at once too I, quickly. I am. And then I'm doing the controls over here all at the same time. So, you know, a lot is going on over here. But Alex, how has your week been? What's going on? Oh, there was a breakdown of law and order in my own backyard uh, <laughs> on Saturday. Uh, you know, all I was uh, going to my car in the parking garage and I opened the door to go up the stairs. And there's this uh, these guys. Uh, Lots of drugs spread out over the stairs and they're packing uh, uh, pellets, uh, not pellets, um, they're packing bags of, of drugs. Um, I was very, um, not expecting that, not expecting that. That was surprising to see. It was a very tension-filled moment, you know, these drug dealers and myself staring at each other. Did you say anything? Drugs. No, I didn't say anything. Yeah. Uh, but it just, I think, you know, it just uh, seems like overall things are not as safe as they used to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, this is, this is not acceptable to me to have this kind of activity happening in broad daylight in the parking garage 
Yeah. So I don't know what uh, I don't know what can be done about this. Yeah, um, that's a little uncomfortable. I would I would feel a lot of like uncomfortable, especially as in, in like the place where I'm living at. It'd be one thing if it was just like you know I was going somewhere and I could just avoid that place, but you can't avoid the place where you live. So yeah, that's very uncomfortable. You know, maybe uh, you might need to say something. Yeah, I mean, I've look. There's been a lot of uh, illegal activity happening, and I have talked to some law enforcement people about this. Uh, they told me that their hands were basically tied um, regarding all of this. So I don't know. It's very upsetting. Well, we'll well we'll keep you in prayer for your safety and everything. And I don't know. Probably, probably the survival part of me is just saying, mind your business and just. Don't even look in that direction, but stay safe, and we'll uh, keep you in prayer that uh, for you know more safeguards and all that kind of stuff. My my week was not as exciting as that, <laughs> but uh, my teammates and stuff have their fights coming up. I'm not fighting in this round, which will be nice because I get to just spectate and everything like that, which um, I haven't done in a while. I feel like I've been like either helping them train, cornering, or I've been in the ring. So it's nice that I can just spectate and not have to do anything. Just go and have a good time and then watch the show. So I'm excited about it. It's supposed to be 14 fights um, this upcoming Saturday. So I'm excited to see that. Oh, nice. Yeah, that should be a fun time. Is it in the usual place? Yeah, it's in the usual place. Apparently, they um, made it even bigger. They knocked down a wall. And so it's supposed to be even bigger with more lights and all that kind of stuff. And it was funny when they told me this, oh. when they told me this, they're like, oh yeah, it looks great. It looks legit, like bigger lights and, you know, like a look at like a real competition, like you would see on TV. I'm like, great. This is going to make me more nervous when I do another fight. Like, <laughs> 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 that more people can sit there that it is more of a bigger emphasis and all that kind of stuff. So, but we'll see, we'll see if I do another fight, you know. You know, that's still on the back burner. That's not my I mean, full attention right now. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you do very well whenever you fight. And even though you lost the last time, you almost came back to beat the guy and you left him worse off than yourself. Uh, I think you sent him to the hospital, actually. Right? Yeah, he had a he had a busted head and then um his um his legs were totally like bright red. He was a he's a very pale looking gentleman. Um, and so his legs were like pale, like not pale, um, blood like red like showing because I was checking all those kicks and stuff. And it was funny, everyone who's seen that fight, and I've even had people who don't train at my gym, but they were there, who said it, and they were just like, that was a very close fight. And they said, if you had one more round, that would have been, he would have been done for it because they were just like, his cardio was gone, and he just won from the first round, like being a really spectacular round and stuff like that. But, um, and they said, like, you know, they said, I, they said, uh, one person said that should have been like the title fight in the sense where we had five rounds. Cause they said, I didn't look tired. I was like ready to go and this, this and that, that I would have, I would have finished him if I had five rounds, but it's all good. You know, I'm not upset about it. You know, I go out there just to have a good time and honestly look good for the pictures. Cause the pictures look cool. So that's all I really care about. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see when I do another fight and we'll talk about that. But the question or the debate or the topic that we're talking about today is Christian love or rather is the church really walking in love? And I'm excited to talk about this topic because let me give some background history on why I chose this one. So this was my idea of um, discussing this today. And especially, you know, around the holidays, a lot of people talk about love and cheer. And, you know, we're all in a festive mood about love and all that kind of stuff. 
And it, at first I was going to talk about Christian love in the sense of like, how do we walk in love? But then I ran across this TikTok where people were one by one bashing the Christian church and saying the Christian church doesn't walk in love. They're fake. They're hypocritical. They're very judgmental and, you know, kind of bashing the church. I ran across this as a TikTok. And so, I, you know, then it just sent me down this like rabbit trail and I was just researching into different articles, like I mentioned in the intro, talking about. The Western churches, um, a lot of people leaving the Christianity faith because they all kind of say the same thing in the sense that there is no love. And I found this one article on, um, it's called Your Move by Andy Stanley. Uh, it was on his um, website or blog or whatever. So he kind of like summed up five typical main reasons why people or younger people leave the church. And the first one was, we tell people the Bible is the basis of Christianity. And this was kind of a weird way of putting it. But what I've got from the meaning of that was when people don't understand something in the Bible, they think it's like a contradiction. So that makes them leave the faith. So because they're so deeply saying like the Bible is the root of Christianity and not really Jesus, it makes a contradiction. It was kind of a weird, the way, the way he put it was kind of weird. And then he said, point number two was they believe suffering disproves the existence of God. I think we've all been there when you suffer or have something negative happen in life. It makes you kind of question God. Uh, number three said they had a bad experience at church. Four says we're bad um, at making people feel welcome. And number five was we made the ecclesia, the church, um, a building than rather a living organism. But today, I just want to really touch upon points three and four, which to me are essentially the same thing. They had a bad experience or, you know, we're bad. The church is bad at making people feel welcome. And so, which is essentially saying that they didn't experience love. So that's the goal today is to talk about what is true biblical Christian love and asking the question whether the church is failing at showing love or are people just too sensitive? Let's just put it out there. Are people just too sensitive and have unrealistic expectations? So what do you believe, Alex? I mean, do you believe this is true? What's going? What, what's your thought when, when you hear this? Well, I mean, I, I hear a lot of these arguments, or not arguments, I hear a lot of these statements as to why people uh, don't like Christianity or they don't want to be part of Christianity anymore. I think the idea where they're saying, you know, the Bible contradicts the faith, I think that that is a lack of understanding. Uh, I, I do think, you know, you can maybe see some areas where, Initially, it looks like, oh, how does this passage uh, go along with this passage? But then when you dig into it a little more, you find out the full context of everything. It starts to make sense. Uh, the uh, idea that suffering disproves the existence of God, we've talked about that on this show. Uh, that, you know, people have free will, and it's not actually the mark of a loving God to force his will on other people. Mm -hmm. And he leaves that choice up to us. Uh, as far as we make the church a building, yeah, I've heard this too. Uh, I do think it is good, though, to collectively gather in one place to worship God together. And I do think that that is encouraged in Scripture. So I, I mean, I guess, you know, we can talk an another time on you know, whether we need a building to have a church or not. But uh, I can understand if churches are just spending a lot of money on, you know, architecturally nice things and then neglecting some of the kinds of uh, ministries that they should be participating in, maybe why people feel this way. I can see it. Mm -hmm. uh, as for 
bad church experience, bad at uh, people, uh, bad at making people welcome. I do think these go hand in hand uh, most of the time. Uh, I have definitely seen this. I have seen churches that are clickish. I have seen them not really uh, get a reach out for people who are new and they don't really treat new people very well. Uh, I have seen uh, some larger churches really, even if they are initially welcome to new people, those new people fail to be uh, connected in, or plugged in rather. They fail to be plugged in to like a, a small group or a Bible study and you know, there's like no follow-up really. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think I can definitely see, you know, the discouragement that can happen uh, at places like that. Now, okay, so you mentioned, so basically you're saying that it is possible that the church is failing to show love and showing, uh, making people feel welcome. So you're saying at these larger churches, so I currently go to a more of a smaller um, congregation than you, you go to a larger church, so you can speak upon this. Now, the question comes about, like you said, like a person comes into a large church and they didn't plug themselves in. Now, who's at fault with that? The new person for not joining a small group or is it the church's group from not bringing them in? No, it, it depends, and it goes both ways, right? Because it is incumbent upon the new person to actively seek out opportunities to join the new church and to seek out uh, small groups and community groups or what have you. Uh, but sometimes when they do do that, it turns out that people are not very friendly to them. Mm -hmm. And in that case, the blame resides on uh, the, the current churchgoers, I think, because they... I don't know, you know, maybe there's a click or maybe maybe the new person's just shy and you have a bunch of shy people together. And unfortunately, you know, that nobody reaches out. Nobody makes the first move because they're all too shy. To too many introverts are in the group. <laughs> yeah, too. Yes, introverts all around. And there's really not, no one who's uh, gregarious or extroverted to make that that first move. So I can understand that. That's an unfortunate thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but. I think it can go both ways. I don't necessarily blame, I don't blame the church a hundred percent of the time. And I don't blame the new individual a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. I, I would have to agree. I would say to the question of, do I believe that it's true that some uh, churches aren't loving? I would have to say it's 50, 50. In my opinion, I think there's some who aren't welcoming. I think I've mentioned several times when we went to those small groups in college, the Christian groups that were there were very unfriendly. They were, they stuck to their um, cliques and they were just like, you know, I already have friends. I'm not going to welcome anybody else. Thankfully I was already a believer solid in my faith where that didn't sway me, but I could see how a new person could let that affect them and think, you know, overall, Oh, I guess this is how churches are and everything like that. And, um, and, but I do agree what you said also, it's, it's incumbent of the person to also be involved in the ministries that they have and stuff like that. Cause I remember one person complained at our church complaining that we didn't have events for them to participate in. And I remember my parents were looking over and was just kind of like, you know, we've had this, this, and this happen, and you literally haven't come to them. So if you haven't come to them, so no, you're not feeling connected to people because you're not participating in the activities that the church is having. So it's incumbent on both to do their part and to share. I think sometimes when I say it's unrealistic expectation is you can't expect the church to always do all the work 100% and then you as the goer not participate whatsoever. So yeah, I, I agree with you. It does. You have to, you have to put, you have to involve yourself. You have to reach out uh, initially too. So, you know, 
if you're not willing to put forth effort, then honestly, you have no one but yourself to blame at the end of the day. Exactly. But well, here comes the question when I'm thinking when I was um, going over it, what is love? Like, what is love to you? Because I think love means different to different people and like is expressed differently to different people. And so we're calling to the carpet of like, is the church walking in love? You know, my definition of love might be different than somebody else's. You know what I mean? So what is love to you or like, how is it expressed? I mean, I think that there are different kinds of love. So to just define love as one thing, I don't think is accurate. I think that there are five definitions of love and and they, uh, I'll go back to, I think there's kind of like Greek words Mm -hmm. for love, for the um, types of love. And I think uh, there is, you know, depending on what you're, you're trying to define, you know, we have to be aware that in, in the English language, love just encompasses so many different things. It's very broad, but I, I, I like to go back to the Greek to define the more specific types of love, because I think it's more helpful here. So uh, five types of love, I think, or maybe, maybe six. Uh, the first is, is uh, philia. Mm-hmm. So philia love, this is, um, you know, friendship love, right? Love, uh, brotherly love. This is where the city of Philadelphia gets its name. Um, so that is one type of love. So I think that love can be defined as uh, a deep caring for friends, right? Yeah. Uh, the second type of love, and I have difficulty pronouncing this. It's, I think it's called storge or S-T-O-R-G-E. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but this is essentially a uh, familial love. So love of one's uh, children, love of one's parents, love of family. That's where this comes in. So I do think love, of course, means, you know, you really care about your family members. Uh, the third type of love would be the uh, agape so this is uh, this is the all-encompassing love. This is this is the love that you know is for just like everyone, and and it it kind of is very high, highly felt. It's, it's this is the term that is used to discuss God's love of humanity. Okay. Agape. So this is um, the unconditional love that God shows to people. Uh, the fourth uh, type of love is uh, the Felicia or, or Philatia, the love of self. And then the fifth would be Eros, which, of course, is romantic love. Uh, and that comes from the, the Greek. So which, so, so which five do you think is the love that we're supposed to show within the church? Agape or the Philly, I feel like, would fit between the two? Yeah, yeah. I So I think if we're trying to emulate God, then we should hopefully strive to demonstrate the agape kind of love or just the overall caring for everyone who crosses our paths. I think that unfortunately us being humans, this is very hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do certainly think for those within the church, we should demonstrate the uh, philia style love or brotherly love. Paul talks a lot about uh, the brotherly love of the brethren in the New Testament. So I think that that is uh, and extremely important. And, and honestly, too, you know, we should be exercising uh, love of family as well. 
um, because that is also really important, right? Well, we're we are we are brothers and sisters in Christ, so yeah, we can say that in one way or another. Yeah, that we're well, all I, I was thinking more along the lines of we're supposed to honor our mother and father, right? Mm-hmm. Ten Commandments say so. That's you know that's an important. If you if you love somebody, you're going to honor them. If you love your parents, you're going to obey them and listen to them, and uh, treat them with respect. So I think that that is also a a, a love that. that the church should be exercising. And, um, you know, uh, honestly, I will also say uh, uh, that romantic kind of love is good too, but we just have to exercise that correctly. Exactly. So for me, when I think like, what is love? I always, I always go to the scripture in first Corinthians 13, four through seven, that, you know, it says love endures, but patient in serenity, love is kind and thoughtful, is not jealous, is not, or envious. Love does not brag is not proud or arrogant, is not rude, um, it is not self-seeking, it is not provoked, it does not take into account um, wrong endured, it does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with truth. Um, Love bears all things regardless of what comes, believing all things, looking for the best in each other, hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, endures all things. So to me, that's kind of like the biblical definition of like what is love and like how it is expressed, is expressed in that you give people patience and that you believe the best in people that you don't show jealousy towards one another and everything like that. So to me, that's always been like the definition of what is love. So when people are saying like, when someone is not walking in love, I always look to kind of this definition to see, are they meeting these categories? But the question I'm asking or the thing I'm trying to say is how is it supposed to be expressed? Is it expressed by giving a lot of hugs? Is it expressed by a lot of like kisses on the cheek? Or is it expressed by, you know, giving always compliments to people? Like how is love always, how is love or Christian love supposed to be expressed with this knowledge of what love is from my definition that I gave from first Corinthians and the five loves that you kind of stated how is it supposed to be expressed? Because I feel like if you're going to critique someone and saying like, you're not walking in love, you need, okay, we first need to define what love really is. And then how is that supposed to really be expressed? Like how, how, how am I supposed to know what is love and how is it expressed? If you understand what I'm trying to say. You know, that if we truly care about people, Mm -hmm. even when they, you know, try to get on our nerves, we are going to be patient with them. Uh, We're going to be kind to people. Uh, We're not going to be, you know, disrespectful to them. We're not going to be envious and covetous of our neighbors or our friends uh, when they have things that we don't have. We're not going to be bragging if we have things and other people don't have. And, you know, we're not going to be uh, being going out of our way to be rude uh, to people. And I think that you know, this passage specifically, it is how we should be demonstrating, are we loving people yeah. or having Christian love, if you will. And, and I think that that's important that we understand what this looks like, biblically speaking, and know this is what God wants to see of us if we're going to describe ourselves as a love, loving person. And you know, I think again, this it can be a challenging passage, right? Because how easy it is to be annoyed with people who get on our nerves and how easy it is uh-huh. to kind of, you know, be rude in this fast paced society. And, uh, you know, especially with social media, it's as we've discussed on the show, it can be uh, tough to sometimes 
uh, not be jealous of, of other people when they're posting, you know, they have vacations and promotions at work and, you know, it seems like we're not having as easy of a, of a life as they are. And so I think that this is a very, it's an important scripture and shows what we should be doing and it can be tough in its application. Now, how do you express love personally? Like, how do you, how do, how do you express like love? Cause I know for me, I'm not a lovey dovey person in the sense of like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get a lot of hugs for me. You're, <laughs> you're not gonna get a lot of like soft answers in a sense of like a lot of like beating around the bush and like a lot of like pr pr lack of better word, prissy stuff around it. I feel like the way I show love in the sense of like, I'm a very giving person. Um, I, I don't mind giving what I can to a person. I listen to people. Um, and then for me, I feel like I show love by, lo by being loyal in the sense of like, I have your back even through the good times and the bad times where you're going through those bad times and stuff. So I feel like that's how I show love um, best. Now, I feel like not all of us show love in the same way, but it is love. If that, you know, if you understand that, like, how do you show you're, love? You're saying you're more uh, a practitioner of tough love, as we would call it. <laughs> is tough love like a bad thing, though? Is tough love not Christian love? I mean, oh, I heard, yes, I heard, yes, I heard yes, one yes. person say that, you know, tough love is just an excuse to be rude and, you know, slap love on top of it. I feel like I'm not being rude, like, but I feel like sometimes people beat around the bush and they're not being honest with people. And they want to slap love on it. It's like, no, I need you just to be curt and like, tell me the truth. Like, is this wrong? Am I, am I messing up? And like, I don't know. I, I feel like people call it tough love because they're sensitive. Well, <laughs> um, look, look, you know, you and I, we've go, go back a long ways. And there have been certainly times where I've had struggles in my, in my twenties, you know, about them. And, you know, you would always be like, Alex, the Bible is saying this, uh -huh. you know, you can't just like languish in this place. You need to do this. And I know you're saying that because you know where I should be and I'm not there and you're not coddling me, which I think a lot of people do. <laughs> they want more to be coddled when things are happening, <laughs> but you're, yeah, you're just not that kind of person. But look, I do know that this is your way of caring about me because you're like, I want you to get back on track. I don't want you to stay in this this bad place. I want mm -hmm. you to be going here. And I, and I do think some people can be too sensitive. And in the moment, I mean, even myself, sometimes I can, I can be like, Oh, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I do think it's important. You know, you're like, I want to solve the problem. And yeah. not just like coddle the problem. Whereas, you know, I am kind of more baby steps, right? Because I think. See, I don't have the patience for that. Yeah, I don't have the. I don't. I lack the love in the patient department, so I don't have the patience to do the to do the baby steps. I'm like, boom, let's get straight to it. I am much more of the uh, piecewise approach, piecewise kind of like the math formula in which we take steps together, and I don't mind, you know, as somebody vents and talks, and I I'm sympathetic to them, and and then try and say, well, have you ever thought of looking at like this? Have you ever tried to uh, do this? And maybe that will help improve things for you. But so I think I am probably a little better with patience, yeah. perhaps. Um, and I, and I do think 
you know, I, I, you know, have had my battles with jealousy and stuff. And I think I'm doing a lot better about that as I get older and, and become more aware of, of the blessings I have. And, you know, as I say, count your blessings. This is a very good way of, of overcoming jealousy and, and envy of other people. Uh, also, uh, not taking into an account a wrong endured. So this is where you're, you forgive people. Yeah. And certainly as I've gotten older, I think that it has become uh, easier for me to just let things roll off and let things go. A uh, case in point, I had a former roommate who had a party one night and I had worked the next day. This was on a Thursday and I woke up to his drunk friend vomiting all over my kitchen. Oh, I remember that. I remember the phone call about that. Yes. So see, I I was mad and I expressed that to my brother in Christ. And I did not express that to my roommate who was not a believer. And, you know, I almost did, but he was very apologetic when I saw him after I got back from work that day. And so then just, I, I was like the Holy Spirit. He's like, gotta let it go, Alex. <laughs> gotta let it go. <laughs> So, so you show love. Here. So yeah, I feel like in different situations, we have to show love in different, you know, different times, different aspect of love gets called on the carpet. Like sometimes the aspect of love of being patient with one another, that is the tool that you have to use in that moment to show love. And like in that moment, you had to use the aspect of love of forgiveness that the Holy Ghost was trying to remind you, you know, you brought something up about like correction in the sense of, you know, sometimes love is correcting one another in a sense like I would do to you, of which you also done to me. And actually, you've done it to me actually kind of harshly as well. I just want to throw it out there. Sometimes you have thrown it harshly back. But yeah, um, that's shame and throwing shade <laughs> over here. <laughs> so love is also involves correction. So sometimes I believe these accusations of that gets thrown at the church saying like the church is too judgmental. I'm sure you've heard of that. The judge is too ju judgmental, but at the same time, the church is trying to give a person correction and everything like that. Now I do know the church has had bad history of being too harsh. And the first thing that came to my mind were like the Salem trials where, you know, when people were practicing witchcraft, they thought it was okay to, you know, you know, kill the women over, you know, them practicing witchcraft or even back in the time of like, you know, if a person would commit fornication right. at a wedlock, the person would be extremely shamed and all this kind of stuff having, you know, so the church as a whole does have a history or has that in their background of doom. Do you think this is left over from the Old Testament, though, because that was what happened under the law. And I wonder how much of those uh, traditions, if you will, carried over it probably it was probably in a religious aspect of legalism of carrying over i don't think it was god's intention i don't think it was god's intention for that to happen i think i, I will say it was not god's intention like full-on comedy it was not god's intention for that kind of like punishment to be coming if a person you know stepped out of the line or got in disobedience and stuff like that i think they were pulling from the old testament not understanding that was the old way of things of happening and we're now under the new covenant of grace it, like we said before a lack of understanding of things and so like i said it's kind of want to switch gears a little bit in talking about this whole judgmental thing and that the church is not supposed to correct any bad behavior now is well, look, I, I think sorry just the, there's like a bible verse that immediately comes to mind Go about for it. this so this is in hebrews 12 uh, and it says uh, my son do not regard light 
lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you're reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Mm -hmm. So for those who want to say about uh, disciplining is being cruel, I think that the principle of discipline is applied when somebody cares about another. Yeah. Uh, The practice of discipline can sometimes go a little overboard maybe a lot overboard in some cases but i think the the fact that if you're angry because you're being disciplined for doing the wrong thing this is on you Mm -hmm. and the discipline is there because as hebrew says god loves you this is what and he disciplines those who he loves so if you're not being disciplined for bad things that you're doing um look out (laughs) <laughs> look out yeah it's not gonna ultimately go very well for you well here comes the question since you're going there you know we'll get back to the points i want to make but like what does what what does what was where's the balance of i'm disciplining and showing love quote unquote what people would do i mean i think showing discipline is love because you're you're stopping me from creating a habit that's going down the wrong path so that discipline is actually good for me now where's the balance between it not being too harsh and just still having mercy and this is you know showing grace and stuff because that's also the other extreme of it is that you let too much foolishness happen because you aren't correcting anybody and then things are getting out of hand and you know like we you were mentioning earlier lawlessness is just running it's coarse and stuff. So where's the balance of showing it? Yeah, I, I don't know. This is going to be a fascinating discussion. Um, I would think that if I were a judge and I was in charge of sentencing, if there were people who had no remorse, they're going to they're gonna be punished, like disciplined. They're going to be disciplined, and it's going to be harsh, I think, because clearly they don't care. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't care uh suffer the consequences that is what it is well i'm talking about it more in the church round though i see well i mean but even in the church you know what 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 is what are we talking about though in the church realm like because you know because like because we say like because people claim because this let me just lay it out maybe i didn't lay it out clearly so people claim that the church is you know not walking in love right and one of the mm-hmm. reasons is because they're saying that they're too judgmental. So where's the where's the fine line of, you know, yes, yeah, sure, accepting people as they are, but at the same time, you do need to be corrected to get back on course to what is the principles of the Bible. Where's the balance? Right. Like the church, I mean, the church, because the thing is, if you come to church, you're coming to change your behavior to get back in line with Christ, right? So I yeah, so I I guess like in a courtroom the person is struggling with a sin issue and it is clearly obvious that they are remorseful over this and they're trying to understand how better to resist these temptations then i think that's where you know you can be a more understanding because we all have our struggles with different sins right mm-hmm. but i think then you know if similarly like in the courtroom for example i want to go back to there because i didn't get to finish that oh, sorry. Um, if a person is more, you know, remorseful of what they've done, they recognize the wrong as a judge. If I were a judge, I think I'd be inclined to show more mercy and maybe mm. a lesser sentence or a lighter sentence or what have you. Um, in, in the church, if it's, again, a person who struggles with sin, all the, um, but is 
genuine in trying to correct this, then I think I'd be more inclined to show the the grace and be like, okay, so you know this happened, but uh, I know that you are um, you're caught up over this. I know that you want to repent of this. So let's think of ways to help you so that we don't continue to go down this road. Uh, on other people, they can just sin and they don't care. And I mean, those are the people who I think we need to be more strict on. And I think those are the people who we are talking to um, when we are speaking out against certain behaviors and, and saying, you know, look, God does not wish for us to live this way. And if, you know, if that is the way that you are going to continue to, to go down and that is the way you're going to, to make choices, then uh, do you really care for God? Yeah. Because if you did, you would do your best to honor him as our heavenly father. Yeah, no, I agree uh, what you were saying and stuff. And, you know, it, you know, it's kind of a per, per, per case basis and stuff, but I do know that some people like to blame the church because the church calls out their sin and they don't want to be called on their sin. And so they feel judged and they get their feelings hurt, but it's just at the same time, you know, this is God's house and the way God wants it done is, is his ruling and we're simply echoing what he wants in his will and everything like that. And if you can't accept it, you know, that's on you. That's not to get mad at the church for it. We're simply obeying what Christ says. And, you know, a lot of things, uh, you know, this might be kind of funny. A lot of people that I've had the discussion with, if the church is walking in love, they always try to compare Jesus and be like, you know, Jesus walked in love and this is that. Well, you know, I feel as though they really didn't understand or read that much about or into Jesus. Yes, Jesus did walk in full love, but he did check people when they needed it. He, he had no problem correcting people. And, you know, I was, you know, you can read it for yourself in chapters John 7 and John 8. And, you know, John 8 is the famous chapter of when Jesus, you know, was merciful towards the woman with adultery. And in that same... Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to talk about that. Yeah, because, you know, in that, in that uh, passage of Scripture... Jesus did not excuse that woman's sin, as, as in he did not accept that. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't say, okay, go along and continue on what you were doing. He told the woman, go and sin no more. Yeah. He, so he, he stopped did, the haters who were hating on her by the same time and welcomed her with mercy, but told her to stop. told her to stop her bad behavior. Exactly. But, the, you know, another, I was— a, another, Another thing, though, that I wanted to jump in, another thing Jesus said, if I if I can, is mm -hmm. Matthew 6 at the Sermon on the Mount. He told us to be the salt and light of the earth. So I think that this is a good application of what we're talking about today, you know, Christians being the salt and light of the earth. Light, of course, very easy to understand. We're supposed to be showing uh, biblical principles in our life, uh, the application of biblical principles in our life. Um, that, that's showing light. The salt, salt is painful if it ever comes in term, into an open wound, in contact with an open wound. I don't know, even if you've ever had salt water go on to a cut, but it, it is no, quite painful. Rubbing salt into the wound, as people know, that's uh, not a great thing. But in this case, I do think that if we're light and salt, it means the light is where yeah, we are showing God's mercy and his understanding, but the salt is where we have to show the truth. And the truth can be offensive to some people, unfortunately, and we cannot back away from that. No, we can't back away with it. And we're running low on our time. And, you know, we might have to pick up the part two of this um, 
next week to continue this on because I do want to keep talking about what is Christian love and stuff because I think sometimes people feel bad or let the world's persecution and let them define what Christian love is. And to me, I don't let them define what is true love because to me, the Bible is the example of what true love is. Like I use that scripture scripture to show uh, what the Bible says love is and how it's expressed. And then, you know, I looked at Jesus to see how he walked in love. And the reason why I brought up Jesus in these, especially specifically these chapters of John 7 and 8, and, you know, you have to go back and look at it because in chapter 8, like I was saying, you know, there's a story of when he, you know, shows mercy towards the woman caught in adultery. But in that same chapter, he tells the Jews that they were father, their father, you know, their father's the devil, that they're children of the devil. In that same chapter, he corrected them to let them know where they were. There's the, uh, there was the love, but their correction came and, you know, they got offended from that. In the, in the chapter, John chapter seven, that same chapter, Jesus fed the, the 5,000 people with the bread and fish. He fed the 5,000. And later on in that chapter, the people got offended with what Jesus was saying in his message and left him. You know, you come to church to experience change. You come to church to experience that the way I was living is not working out for me. And, you know, what do they say about insane, you know, being insane is doing the same things and expecting a different result. And so you can't be doing the same actions and expect a better result. And so coming to Christ is all about changing your actions and changing who you are and changing behaviors and stuff. So that's going to take being someone telling you that, you know what, going in that direction or what you're doing is wrong and take that correction to move forward and stuff. So the reason why I bring up those chapters, because, you know, a lot of people want to say Jesus walked and loved and this, this and that. And it's like, yes, he walked in love. And if you see him in his home ministry, he corrected people when they were wrong so that they could do better. And so they, they could go to a higher level and a better um, level with Christ and a better um, level and a better walk with God. So correction is involved in love. And I think in today's society, yeah. in today's society, there's so much confusion and there's so much infiltration in the church. It really needs to define, be defined or defended this thought of correcting bad behaviors. And I think that one of the ways, and I don't know, I think we're running out of time. So maybe in part two, we'll discuss exactly how the church should go about doing this. But I think for some fruit for thought over the next week is explain why God does not want us to engage misbehavior. Mm. Okay. We'll maybe have to... that helps people understand a little bit better. Okay. We'll have to... Pin it right there, and then the audience, you can uh, meditate on that, and we'll chime in next week. Uh, we, I'm sorry. To, I, you were right, Alex, that this was going to be a two-part uh, discussion and stuff, and which is fine because I don't mind discussing this. So, audience members, thank you for joining us this week, and you'll have to join us next week as we conclude What is Christian Love? Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Paradigm Switch Podcast. We hope that you have learned something new for your everyday life. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to tell your friends about the paradigm switch too. For more information on past or future episodes, please follow the Paradigm Switch Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to tune in for our episode next week as we continue renewing our minds to think right side up.